Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. From movie set to multiplex, it's the business of film with James Cameron Wilson. I'm funny how? I mean, funny like I'm a clown, I amuse you. Wilson! Wilson! This is indeed the business of film. I'm Simon Rose in conversation as ever with James Cameron Wilson as we look at last weekend's box office in the UK and uh, review a few films along the way. So, James, healthy or sick? (laughs) Well, you may recollect that last weekend we had three big new movies. Mm -hmm. And it's very unusual for me to go to the cinema three times and see films on the big screen at my local multiplex. And we had Uncharted, which was number one. Of course, Tom Holland can do no wrong at the moment. And we Mm. also had Death on the Nile and Marry Me. But we've only got one new major wide release. So inevitably, the box office has gone down a bit by 14.6%. Are people fighting shy of something big that's coming down the pipeline or not? Because that's sometimes the case, isn't it? That's that's for a case. well, these, the Batman is coming in March, so that's oh. a biggie. Yeah, but that's quite a way away yet. Oh, no, March is not very far away. No, it's not. It's next week. Yes. I can't remember the actual date of the Batman, but I just remember saying, this March. Mm. Right, so... so we've got one new film, and of mm-hmm. course, bearing in mind, it was the half term. Mm. So a film like Clifford the Big Red Dog shot up 63% last weekend. 63%? It's been, there. it's been there forever. Well, the extraordinary thing about Clifford the Big Red Dog, it's made £9.4 million in just 11 weeks, whereas Disney's big uh, tentpole cartoon, Encanto, has been out for two weeks longer and has only made £7.5 million. That's so Clifford is a big red dog and a big green dog, uh, as far as the dirty mm. lucre is concerned. In fact, it's been quite a weekend for dogs. But let's move on to the chart. Mm. And appropriately, we've got Uncharted, which is actually charting at number one with £3.8 million. It was number one last week. It fell by 20%, but it opened incredibly strongly. And in 10 days, it's made £12.2 million. Number two, we've got Sing 2 for its fourth weekend. It was at number two last weekend, down a mere 2%. But again, we are talking half term. Mm. And that, now that's got a total of £23.3 million. Death on the Nile, a slightly more precipitous 29%, which was at number three. And now it's got a total of £4.7 million. But we knew that was going to be disappointing because it's been put back and put back and put yes, back. Yes. It's had one catastrophe after another. Uh, Two words, really, Army Hammer has not helped. Mm. And it's extraordinary when you look at the trailer, he is not in it. I I think there is one 
one second where you get to see him in the trailer. They've really done their best to pretend he's not in the film, although he has the the largest part, really. Mm. Pretty but dull, I think you said last week. Uh, I just didn't care. Yeah. And I, it is so formulaic, that genre anyway, because everybody has a grudge, everybody's guilty. It looks fantastic, and I really thought it was one of the best-looking films that Kenneth Branagh has ever directed. And he's a bit on a high at the moment, because the film at number five is Belfast, mm. which has made a total of £13 million, which says to me that the older generation are beginning to go back into the stalls. Because at first I think they were very apprehensive, mm. which is mm. why films like Supernova and The Father didn't do very well. But we have a new film at number four called Dog, which made... Oh, right, yes. £822,000. Pounds. The first thing that struck me about Dog is that when I walked into the cinema, it was packed. In front of me, row after row, were cinema goers, young and old, in their funky masks. Although there did seem to be more children than adults. Now, you may re recollect that my recent excursions to the multiplex have been solitary affairs. So this was a revelation. There were not even as many patrons for Spider-Man No Way Home. And because of the mass body warmth, the cinema was actually not freezing for once. So I picked my way to a free seat and pondered on this conundrum. OK, it was half term. Dog was being marketed as a family friendly film. Channing Tatum was in it and he might take his shirt off. He does. And the title kind of said it all. After all, as you know, we talked about Clifford the Big Red Dog, mm -hmm. made over 9 million in the UK alone and over 100 million worldwide. Dog, which marks Channing Tatum's directorial debut in collaboration with his long-term producing partner, Reed Carolyn, is about post-traumatic stress disorder and conditions suffered by both its human and canine protagonists. It also deals with rehabilitation, military protocol, casual prostitution, the farming of marijuana, racism, and has its fair share of adult language. Typical family film, then. Quite what the young ones would have made of it is beyond me, but they did spend a lot of time rushing to the loo, I noticed. But basically, Dog is about a dog, a Belgian Malinois, to be exact, who for a large part of the film is just referred to as Dog. But the dog does have a name, Lulu, which was actually the name of Channing Tatum's own pooch, which died three years ago and was the inspiration for the story of a man and his dog on a road trip. But unlike the real Lulu, this Lulu, played by Britta, Lana and Zuza, is a damaged creature. And before she is to be reprocessed, has one last duty to fulfil, and that is to attend the funeral of her handler, Riley, in a remote part of Arizona. US Army Ranger Jackson Briggs, that is Channing Tatum, is also a damaged soul and has been reduced to working in a fast food joint as he has been deemed unsuitable for the military due to a brain injury and his PDSD. However, he is on the verge of a clean bill of health. Although his captain is reluctant to return him to his regiment. So there's a trade-off. 
if Briggs agrees to accompany Lulu on the 1,500 trip to Arizona and reveals his usefulness, then his captain will sign the papers that will allow him to return to duty. But what Briggs doesn't know is quite how damaged the dog is and how dangerous Lulu is, and thereby hangs a tail, and a shaggy dog one at that. We can sort of see where the film is going, but its diversions are engaging and surprising enough to keep us tuned in for the journey. There have been a lot of canine movies of late, including the documentaries Stray and Pariah Dog, and don't get me started on Clifford the Big Red Dog, but there hasn't been one about an army dog um, for a while and how they are trained to lay down their lives for their handlers. Mm -hmm. As I'm talking, I think there was a film called, was it called Max? I never saw it, Max, as in Maximilian Shell. And I think that was about an army dog, but I never got to see it. This is not Marley and Me and is far from sentimental, even if its trajectory is a We're not not including Power of the Dog then, presumably, in that list. That's not about a dog, Simon. And I know you're you're being (laughs) facetious. Sorry. But yes, it has a canine title indeed. Um, But watching this, I kind of wanted more. I I, I think it's a really interesting film. It would be, I I think it would be interesting to see a dog actually in the field and how it navigates Mm -hmm. its duties. But for now, dog will have to do. And it is a solid work by a charismatic charismatic actor with some wonderful shots of, of America's Pacific Northwest. But it is not no man's land. Okay, James, well, that's perhaps a good moment for us to take a brief pause for breath. Sharing ideas about money. This is Share Radio. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This is The Business of Film on Chair Radio. I'm Simon Rose in conversation with James Cameron Wilson, who's just been telling us about Dog, the directorial debut of Channing Tatum, of course, also is one of the two stars. Um, so I'm including the doc, Dog as the other star. Um, where do we go now? That was number four in four, the that, yeah, you said number five. You said, I think, um, five was Belfast, yes? Yeah, uh, five is Belfast, which was at number four, down 28%, with a total of £13 million. And the second film in the top five, directed by Kenneth Branagh. Number six, we've got the second film in the chart starring Tom Holland, Spider-Man No Way Home, which was at seven, down a mere 5%. But again, it was the half term. And every child I talk to, all they can talk about is Tom Holland. Now, it's got a total of £94 million, which should be ahead of Avatar this time next week to become the fifth highest grossing film Mm -hmm. in UK history within spitting distance of Spectre. It just needs another one and a half million pounds, which considering it made well well over half a million in just a weekend, I think it can overtake Spectre. What's it it taken so far? What's the gross so far? 94 million, which is the same as Avatar, but Avatar's probably got a few more thousand 
tucked away in its back pocket. Mm. So it isn't hasn't surpassed Avatar yet, but it's just a matter of thousands rather than millions before it does. Okay. I'm happy to say that Jackass Forever at number seven has gone down 41%. <laughs> I'm unhappy to say that Marry Me has gone down 52% because oh. I thoroughly enjoyed it. I love a good rom-com, and I think it was a good rom-com with Owen Wilson and Jennifer Lopez playing a variety of herself uh, with lots of singing and... I thought it was funny and moving in places. That was at number eight. It was at number six. At number nine, the aforementioned Clifford the Big Red Dog, up 63%, with a total of £9.4 million after 11 weeks. And Disney's Encanto down 9%, which is not bad, being at number 10, with a total of £7.5 million after 13 weeks. And that is our chart thank you james so where are you going to take us now well for our listeners in the uk it's been quite a frightening time and i for one was without power last week i couldn't work i couldn't watch a movie or tv and every time i thought of something else to do i realized it involved electricity and when it's raining outside there's not a lot You can't even do the gardening. So Mm. this Monday, I had planned to settle down, now that I did have power, and watch Twister as a little schadenfreude escapism. I hadn't seen it since the the freshman. Jan de Bont, I can't remember. Yeah, yeah, well done. Oh, gosh. Okay, I don't know where I dressed that up from. Helen Hunt. Uh, And I hadn't actually seen it since the pressure of the Empire in Leicester Square way back in 1996. You were probably there with me. But I remember really enjoying it. And because I rather relish a disaster movie, um, <laughs> I, I picked that. But then just seven minutes before I was planning to set up my private viewing theatre, I received a phone call asking if I could let out my so-called cinema the following day. So I had to frantically find a new streaming release to talk about on this show, which I was going to see um, mm. on Tuesday. Um, I knew that 13 Minutes was getting a lot of push on Netflix. It was number four in the new chart. So I thought I'd give that a go, even though I didn't know what it was about. All I knew was that it was the first feature of Lindsay Gosling, who was directing and producing from her own screenplay, and that it starred Thora Birch, Anne Hesch, Amy Smart, and Paz Vega, all of whom I rather like. So blow me down. Literally, it was almost a remake of Twister. (laughs) (laughs) I couldn't believe it. There has been a huge swathe of pandemic thrillers on Netflix and elsewhere. Most of them actually made before the pandemic, but few dramas showing the downside of climate change. Mm. I don't know why I like disaster movies so much. Maybe it's that schadenfreude again, or all those different characters thrown together in the face of catastrophe. It's a long time since I've seen The Towering Inferno, but I still have very fond memories of it. Memories of, it. of course, Roland Emmerich is the new Cecil B. DeMille, and he's given us such things as The Day After Tomorrow and 2012. And we had Ron Howard's real-life disaster movie, Rebuilding Paradise. Much of it shot on mobile phones as people watch their homes go up in flames. Wow, what a movie. Did you ever see Rebuilding Paradise? I didn't, I'm afraid, no. Mm. 
Well, 13 minutes is set in Oklahoma, a state that on average suffers 62 tornadoes a year, a figure that is counting. One wonders why anybody would live there, particularly as the town in this movie is inhabited by Bible-thumping bigots and homophobes and racists and anti-choice radicals. Anne Hesch plays a particularly unpleasant piece of work, a nurse who makes a patient of hers feel bad, a teenage patient, but even thinking about having an abortion. Well, I don't want to spoil anything, but she's a dyed-in-the-wool homophobe as well. Interesting choice, because, of course, she she was used to be married to Ellen DeGeneres herself. The director, Lindsay Gosling, obviously had a lot to get off her chest, and the film does rather feel like an exercise in box-ticking. There's sexual harassment in the workplace, the gay son of Anne Hesch, an illegal immigrant learning to speak English, a Native American, a deaf girl, and a Latino chambermaid who has had to suffer 10 years of racist abuse from her employer, but has still managed to save up for a house which she is just about to sign the papers for that day before the eponymous 13 minutes, that is. Mm. There's a lot going on. But I was largely won round by the performances, particularly Thora Birch as an expectant grandmother. You know, Kevin Spacey's daughter (laughs) in American (laughs) Beauty? Good grief, James. How the time flies. (laughs) I've always had a problem with films in which those related by blood never seem to look like one another. Um, But Sophia Vasileva, I think it's how you pronounce it, really does look like her mum, Thora Birch. Although at first I thought they were sisters. Birch is terrific and probably has the best scene in the movie when her daughter Maddie, who I presume is a teenager, although she's, she's got a job in the local salon, tells her that she is pregnant. And Birch pauses for a moment and then says, you kind of ruined my life, you know. I love you, but there is a reason you're an only child. And then she says, you are the best and most challenging thing that has ever happened to me. And it was just a very moving, beautifully judged scene. There's also a winning performance from the deaf YouTuber, Shaylee Mansfield, who plays an 11-year-old schoolgirl who's terrified to tell her mother that she has got her hearing aids broken at school. Of course, perspective is everything. And while the world collapses about her, she's sitting in front of the TV on her own, watching cartoons. Then her show is interrupted by a weather warning and wandering outside, This little girl, just she can't hear anything. She just looks up at the sky to see, well, something positively biblical. Yeah, I know it's formulaic, but in spite of all the box ticking, I found myself absorbed by these colourful characters. And considering the film's low budget, I think Linda Gosling pulled off a remarkable job. Okay, so that is 13 minutes. Uh, Is that Netflix, did you say? It is Netflix, and I'm afraid um, I was trying to get other films but um the next one is also netflix okay when i first saw the texas chainsaw massacre in 1974 i remember being pretty traumatized it was not not so much the gore on show as in the new sequel currently on display on netflix 
but the intensity. The film set a new bar for the so-called slasher film and was banned in this country before, as the years progressed, producing eight follow-ups. The new film is called Texas Chainsaw Massacre without the definite article, much like the sequel to Suicide Squad was called The Suicide Squad. Now, I happen to know that a lot of people are not particularly au fait with the definite article, or indeed the indefinite article, and I do worry about them. Be that as it may, this is the ninth instalment in the franchise, and I thought it was really well made. It is directed by the Austin-based cinematographer, David Blue Garcia, and it looks fabulous, much better than the original, in fact. Now, they keep on going on about how the original, directed by Toby Hooper, was, wasn't actually that gory. It was just incredibly intense and well-edited with a masterful handheld camera. Mm -hmm. I also remember vividly the audience laughing at the screening I attended at the Odeon in Uxbridge, and I feared for the sanity of the human race. <laughs> Not held that when I returned to my bicycle parked at the back, somebody had shoved a nail into the tyre oh. and I had walked my bike three miles home. That evening has really stayed with me. <laughs> so but, sorry to hear that. <laughs> well, as we get older, we do grow a stronger skin. I rem remember being mystified why people could even like horror films and must be psychologically damaged in some way. I could even name names, but then the human race has always been drawn to creepy tales. It's just that the prosthetics have got better. Most of the horror films I see today are very poor indeed, with a few notable exceptions, obviously Get Out, A Quiet Place and its sequel, Julia DeCorno's Raw, the Invisible Man, and I hesitate to say Texas Chainsaw Massacre. I also hesitate to say that I laughed. David Blue Garcia really knows his audience and manages to simultaneously wink at them and shred the nerves of the viewer. It's all terrible. Did you laugh ner nervously or actually because you were finding things funny? I was kind of on, on, on his side and I knew where he was coming at. And I knew I was watching a film and it's part of a franchise which kind of made it safer because it feels almost like a product rather than an experience mm. that you're having with these characters. Mm. It is all terribly over the top and Leatherface should really be in an old people's home by now, not running around brandishing a heavy chainsaw above his head. Of course, he is indestructible. He is a bogeyman, just as Michael Myers is in the vastly inferior Halloween and Halloween Kills. Of course, he was originally based on Ed Gein, who inspired a variety of films, mm. including, well, Hannibal Lecter and Psycho, Norman Bates. Mm. The new film is set in a Texas backwater called Harlow, which looks like an abandoned Western film set, complete with the statue of a Confederate soldier on horseback, a Confederate flag, and I kid you not, tumbleweed in the street. Our protagonists are the enterprising Dante, Jacob Lattimore, who is himself black, his blonde girlfriend, Ruth, played by Nell Hudson, and the sisters Mel, Sarah Yarkin, and Lila, Elsie Fisher, who is very good in eighth grade. They are a friendly, breezy bunch, although Lila is on the quiet side, having recently suffered a school shooting and adopted a steep-seated aversion to firearms. And you can already see where this is going. Anyway, um, 
I started feeling uneasy at the very beginning when they stopped at a shop of a, a, a gas station and Lila goes into the shop and there's all this Texas chainsaw memorabilia and leather face t-shirts and everything. Mm. And then they're stopped on the road by the sheriff who gives them not a very good welcome. But to give credit where credit's due, it is extremely well shot and executed with a spunky, likable turn from Sarah Yarkin. But it is not for the faint-hearted or squeamish. It is very, very nasty, Simon, and I forbid you to see it. Uh, James, it wasn't going to go on my list. You know I'm not breaking on horror at the best of times. Um, I haven't seen any of the previous films in that franchise, and I don't imagine I ever will. So I shall take your advice, although if I encounter people who do like horror, I will say how much you've recommended it. Um, but that's unfortunately all we've got time for um, this week. From James Cameron Wilson, we'll be back with more Business of Film, though, at the same time next week. You talking to me? Bond. James Bond. 